It has been such a long road for the Murray family, and tonight, tragically, there is still no resolution. The mystery of Mara's disappearance remains unsolved. Today, New Hampshire State Police joined FBI agents searching the basement of a home not far from where she vanished. They say they found nothing. that area, removed the concrete, and then searched several feet down, and they located absolutely nothing. As for the family, the search goes on. They will never give up. Stick my nose back on the trail. That's all I can do, and I can't quit. I'm not going to quit. Welcome back, I'm Erin. In this episode, I play a recording of a conversation between myself, Scott Wall, Maura's sister Julie, her brother Curtis, and Curtis's girlfriend Sarah. For those of you who don't know Scott, he runs the official Maura Murray Facebook page and has been helping out the family with social media for about 10 years. Scott and I do a short intro about the circumstances of what brought us all together and specifically, the recent excavation of a basement near Mora's crash site in Haverhill that was conducted by the FBI and New Hampshire State Police on April 3rd. After that, I play the recording of our conversation with Mora's family, and then Scott and I do a short debrief of our takeaways of the events of the past few weeks. As always, feel free to contact me with any comments, questions, or clarifications. How did you feel when you found out that they were going to excavate the house on that Tuesday? I guess I try to keep expectations very low. Yeah. I, I think it's it's almost irresponsible to get your expectations up. But at the same time, it's been the best lead that the family's had since the beginning. So it was hard hard not to be hopeful. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think right from the beginning when they were talking about the house... I also didn't want to get my hopes up. Mm-hmm. I sort of like held back and reserved judgment because you knew that if you did get your hopes up, that the letdown, if they find nothing, was going to be that much worse. Right. I think one of the things I do want to talk about, but I know you said that you th- you think you want to cut this, is I want to talk a little bit about dinner. And okay. even though you said that you think you're not going to use it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. So um, when I got up there, it was late uh, so I reached out to Julie and it seemed to me like it had been pretty exhausted for the day, mm-hmm. but they wanted to meet up for dinner. So we sat down, uh, it was me and you and, uh, John Smith was there. And then it was, uh, Julie, Fred, Kurt and Kurt's girlfriend, Sarah. But one of the things I think was interesting is, is when the Murray showed up together, uh, the expression on their face was just utterly defeat. And that 
for me, it was hard to take seeing, just seeing how deflated they all seemed. Yeah. We all sat down and of course we were talking about the events of the day, but I also think that one thing that was really interesting is, is that like Fred really wasn't deterred. I think everybody was upset, but I mean, he's like, so this is what we need to do. He was literally already talking about what, what the next steps are and what can be done and and uh, he was very action-oriented. In fact, we talked a lot about uh, uh, sports and running. He made fun of you. Mm-hmm. For, I wasn't quite as good as Julie. He questioned you on your time, <laughs> mile time, quite quite a bit, uh, which was pretty entertaining. But I think that one of the things uh, he made a comment about, it's like organizing a team, and you got to have the right players playing the right roles. And then he even, you know, John Smith has his role too, you know. You could tell that they have had a relationship for a long time, and but John has his own role, you right. know, that was very different than, than what our role is, you know, which I thought was really fascinating. So, I mean, one thing that I did feel good about, and you mentioned this to me after we had talked a little bit about it, is, um, you know, they, they walked into the restaurant obviously exhausted and probably deflated from the day, but... When we left the restaurant, I think that there was a more positive spin on things as mm-hmm. they left that day, you know, and that made me feel good. Mm-hmm. I th- well, well, part of that dinner, though, we were talking about did they want to record their impressions of that day? Because, you know, it's such a sensitive thing. I mean, yeah. what they just went through and like, do, is that something that should really be documented right. or should they have some time to decompress and they all wanted to record right away. They all wanted to talk about what had happened right away and they wanted that to be released. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, that was, that was the plan right from the start of that night was they wanted to talk about what happened. And so, but anyway, so, uh, the next day was a little hectic as well. Um, I had never met Chuck West, so I wanted to meet him. And the big reason for that is I just want to make sure that I have a relationship with him. So that way, if we do get tips, I can funnel those tips directly to him. And uh, I think that that's that's one of the dynamics that have changed is, you know, Helena passing away. She used to be the main point of contact that would forward all those tips. But yeah, so the next day it was uh, it was interesting. So uh, Sarah was nice enough to offer to let us do it at her place of business. Yeah, her office. And uh and it actually ended up being a really good good environment. Mm-hmm. It was really quiet. It was very peaceful. And it just, it kind of worked out well. Uh, we all sat around a table and and under just a real relaxed way. And we ended up talking about the events of the day. Mm-hmm. Or that not day, but a few days. So that, that was good. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and play the recording of that conversation. So when did you all head up? To New Hampshire. So yeah, I went up Tuesday night mm-hmm. and got there like what one in the morning, mm-hmm. something like that. Me and Rachel got the hotel, got there about one in the morning, mm-hmm. headed up the next morning afterwards. And I got a flight Wednesday morning, first thing, and I was up there about two p.m. right before the family meeting, right at the courthouse. So were you just hanging out like around the crash site? Okay, I had I I had minutes to I had to get to the courthouse for mm-hmm. the two thirty so I just went straight there. I, well, I stopped at the scene because mm-hmm. that's where my dad was, and I picked you know 
got him and said, hey, let's go. Yeah. So you found yeah. out around, what time was it that they said that they were going to call a press conference? Like one, right? Yeah, probably. It, it was a little early than that. I think it was like noonish that we found out they were going to actually do an official press conference. And I had been there, you know, from like, they got there a little before 10, I think. 10 o'clock mm-hmm. we showed up. And uh, did a bunch of news interviews and then we had to shuffle cars because, you know, the locals were unhappy with the cars and all the vehicles being around. And yeah. uh, so we had to do musical cars for a while. and mm-hmm. Lights. Know, yeah. And uh, yeah, then they told us about the press conference and we basically went to town and waited until, you know, 2.30. Yeah. What was that feeling like? Because I couldn't help like... I mean, I was nervous, and so I don't can't even imagine how you guys were feeling. What, leading just up like, to the Yeah, reveal. waiting for the press conference. Well, it's just, you know, the anticipation of it. Yeah. It's kind of like you don't know how to, <laughs> you don't know how you're going to react mm-hmm. to whatever news you're going to get. You know, no news in that situation is good news, so you kind of just come to terms with either scenario, mm-hmm. and that's really all you can do. Were you hoping for no news? I mean, I guess that's kind of a hard... It's it's such a weird mm-hmm. it's such a weird position to be in. Like you want this whole thing to be over, so you can you know obviously bring more home and do right by her and everything like that. But at the same time, to face the prospect of her being there is kind of horrifying in and of itself. So that's a tough thing to confront. So mm-hmm. it's it's just a really strange place to be in at that yeah. point. I think it was tough for us too. Like twelve fifteen, we find out like, okay, you got to move, you got to move, then you got to go. Like, oh, we have a room for you. It's all set up. That sounds cozy. But we were talking to a couple of the troopers, and we're like, we kind of feel like we should be here as a family. Like, what if they do find something and we're not here? And so we were saying like that was tough for us to actually leave and go mm-hmm. be at the courthouse when we felt like we really needed to be right there, yeah, mm-hmm. just in case. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that was tough. And then no eyes on things. Like, we kind of wanted to be there to see what was going on, too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it wasn't until the truck started packing up that we left. Like, we kept doing laps up and down the road and trying to just stall and see what we could do. And then finally, when Get they started pressured. to leave, <laughs> we were like, okay, they're leaving. They're done. Let's go. Yeah, when we were driving up, I was thinking, I guess it's like 10 years that I've been following your story. And I was wondering, how am I going to feel? And then I was thinking, like, I'll be up really upset, and I'm not even the family. I know. So I couldn't even, like, imagine, like, how you guys would feel. Yeah, it was kind of, it was a weird feeling for me because it, I had, like, the nervous, kind of anxious jitters, I guess you could say. And then I turned the radio on, and then all of a sudden, all, like, everything was speaking to me. I know it was, you know a self-fulfilling prophecy but like you know songs that i thought you know meant something everything all of a sudden meant something and i was like oh this is a sign oh this is a sign um but for me i you know obviously i didn't i don't want my sister to be buried in a basement that's horrible um but at the same time i want we all want closure for my dad and so that was the hardest thing that that's i mean that's the main goal because he should be able to enjoy his retirement you know, you're in your mid-70s, you should be able to enjoy your twilight years, and you can't. Yeah. You know, so that's, you know, that's that's my biggest wish is to have closure for him. Mm-hmm. You know. I was actually hoping that when we walked in the room and they said, have a seat, it was because they were trying to protect us from the gravity of the news. Mm-hmm. And so when they said, have a seat, I took that as a gesture of compassion but then it wasn't that at all. And so that's where I was like, oh, my God, I was fully prepared when they said sit down 
for the news of here you go. So you're talking about when you went into the, the meeting with law enforcement at 2.30? Exactly. They asked us to sit down and we walked in. Mm-hmm. And so you'd think that that gesture would be, I don't want you to be standing when I tell you this. So how many people were in the room? Eight, eight, or, nine. eight or nine? Eight of them. Yeah. Eight or nine law enforcement officers? Mm-hmm. Two FBI. Strelzin was in the middle. He did all, all the, the he, he did speaking. the entire... Yeah, he, he was the only one that really spoke. Um, and then there were a couple representatives from the state police. And yeah, that was pretty much it. The FBI agent out of Bedford, you had the victim advocate, and then there was two other state troopers that were involved with it as well, one of which was the state trooper who stood beside uh, Strelzen during the press conference. And so that gentleman actually did do a slight briefing um, during it, but yeah, the, they were kind of next to each other in the middle. So no one else spoke? It was just just those two? Only in response to questioning, okay. any questions. So. Was that intimidating, walking into a room full of police officers looking at you that's one of the things that we talked about after it yeah it it was was. and the you know sarah said that we we sat and the thought you know the thought was that we were sitting because we were going to receive some news that would require us to sit but then after a while i just felt they you know they were all standing and then some of them had their arms crossed and it was just a i felt like it was their just their body language and demeanor was just a, at a you know they were dominating. Mm-hmm. It was standoffish. Is power how play. I would describe. Power play. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we're we're telling you how it is, and when it's it's it was kind of it was off putting in a way because mm-hmm. you know you have people standing over you looking down and you it's like well this is how it is and accept what we say and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of. And I mentioned that to them today, and I said next time, if if we're going to do this in a collaborative way, let's all be on the same level. Like, if everyone just sit down, you know, I understand that all of those people were there, but maybe all of those people didn't need to be in the room, so we were outnumbered, you know. Yeah. Two to one. Yeah. Yeah. Even the way the news was delivered, it could have been done much more compassionately. Unfortunately, it was a very compassionless uh, encounter. You mean about Streslin? Yeah. Yeah. So what did he tell you when you sat down? It was pretty much a dry delivery of, well, we found nothing, is basically how it opened. <laughs> His <laughs> exact <when>, words. <laughs> so similar to the press conference. It was almost almost exact. Okay. It was cold, kind of, yeah, we found nothing, and then kind of defensive from there <laughs> once we started questioning it. Do you have any idea why he would be defensive? I, I don't know. It's. I think it's just... I think that's just his natural instinct is to be defensive. That's what it seems like. I don't know. Well, I mean, it would be kind of embarrassing if the family was the one that did the investigation, laid on all the resources for it, and said, you know, basically gave him a map with an X in the middle and said, here she is. Mm-hmm. You know, so well, maybe that's why. Yeah. Uh, but one thing I was a little bit shocked by was my dad's reaction. So you guys have met my dad, and you know that he's, you know, he he's loud, and he interrupts, and he doesn't sit there and just listen, but um, he was deflated. Like, he he Stoic. just sat and listened, and just, yeah, you could just see the air just come out of him. And that was sad for me. And yeah, you could, like, like, just a, even an audible sigh was just like, you could see, feel 
him just deflate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the press release, the brief, you know, he's on camera for that brief minute talking about it. And you could see every bit of what you're describing, I felt like. When the they emotion. That interview, he, couldn't, yeah. he couldn't even contain it in the way he spoke. Yeah. It was even in that room. He couldn't. Just trying to question, you know, where they dug and how and when. And mm-hmm. you could see, see the exasperation in him. You know. Or, I mean, you could also see him, you know, clinging on for any shreds of hope, which any person in his situation would do. Well, are you sure? Did you look? Like, did was it thorough? You know, and we'll never know because we weren't allowed on the property. And, you know, we, we wish that we would have been able to get the um, forensic anthropologist that we had come up from Portsmouth, who's an expert in this area. We're not. We're just family wanting to find our sister. Uh, but we had her available, and we wanted her to be able to just observe, um, but that was declined. Did they give you a reason why they wouldn't let her? Is it a her or him? Or, her. Her, or her yeah. in? No. No. That's a shame. Yeah. yeah. I, can't, I can't, couldn't see the harm in having an objective observer there Yeah. You know, on our behalf. Way. You know, it's good faith, you know. But. Mm-hmm. And I asked Chuck in our previous conversations, you know, what, the only thing we request as a family is if we could get somebody who knows what they're looking at, a forensic anthropologist, in there to observe. Did they ever explain, like, why they didn't want to go into the basement originally? Or why they were sort of, like, delaying it, putting it off? Cause they they know... said they had no reason to. That's it? Just yeah. no reason to? Yeah, so basically, okay. Strelzen said that they had no reason to have gone into that basement. They felt that they had no credible reasons to have gone into that basement, and they just did it anyways. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, what he was hammering that home. It's like, we really didn't have a reason to do this, but we did it anyways. <laughs> yeah, and same thing. My dad was like, well, why didn't you core under the water heater in the corner? That's where, you know, we couldn't get the GPR, obviously, there because the water heater is there. And his response was, we didn't have a reason to. We had no reason to do that. It's, it's the same thing. Like, why didn't we test the soil for any kind of DNA or anything? It's like, no, we won't be doing that. We didn't have reason to. And yeah. we asked, I think you asked, I um, asked are him. you going to test, did you take any um, soil samples to test? And they said, Strausen said directly, we will not be testing. And so after I questioned him and got his answer back saying, no, we won't be doing that, I then turned to the FBI agent and asked him specifically if they had resources that they would be willing to employ for this for DNA testing. Mm-hmm. And his answer was, oh, well, we need something to compare it to. And I was like, well, yeah. and I did walk outside and ask our expert, I said, is there anything that you could have done with that soil? And she's like, well, you can break it down and see what it's composed of. Yeah, he was answering a different question than you were asking. Like, yeah. I'm thinking you're asking like, is it just organic matter, right? right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, could could we find out if there's not the potential for DNA. something yeah. to have been there? Right. You know, it's, if for nothing else, just say, okay, no, there's absolutely nothing there. Mm-hmm. But it was more of a defensive, like, no, we won't be testing this because we didn't feel we had to. Mm-hmm. And that was it. That was the end of it. Yeah. I don't know. It was just like a, it was a weird situation. You don't think there's anything there. It's, you don't think it's credible. Yet you're going to do it anyway. Yet you're not gonna you know let us have our one request met which was have the forensic anthropologist who's not affiliated with my family whatsoever observe or you know ask hey we're gonna we plan to do this hey family let's come together this is what our plan is gonna be 
would this satisfy? Because we're only doing this to satisfy you. Yeah. Wouldn't you want our input on what would satisfy us? Right. Yeah. And, that's... and not? we weren't asking, I don't think, anything unreasonable. We didn't say we're going to tear down the wall and we're going to move the water heater. No, we just wanted to... We just want to know if something's under there because we had what we thought in our eyes was the most credible leads that we've ever had in any, um, you know, tip so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that was one of the off-putting things is the defensiveness and the hostility you got in response to a question like that. Like, did you or will you be testing DNA? And it was just like, no, we won't. No, why would you ask us that? We don't feel we should. <laughs> we don't feel we have reason to, so we won't be doing that. It's kind of interesting because... You would think that, like, I mean, I may be totally off base here, but, like, because I don't know, but, like, you would just think that because there's some sort of, like, process that they would go through that they've been trained to do, that they would have answers that seemed more substantial, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, this is the way we excavate things. We do this. This is the first process. This is the second process. This is the third. Sometimes we don't find anything, so we test samples. We do the, you know, like... I don't know. And I definitely think the point is valid where, like, if, again, like, if they're doing it to appease you, why why aren't they consulting you? Yeah. And if you think about it, like, how, how if they don't think there's anything there, there's we're going to find nothing. What harm could come from giving us a bucket of soil and yeah. say, hey, if you feel that this should be tested, test it yourselves. We are confident you will find nothing, but feel free. Did they do the repair, like, right away? Mm-hmm. So they, like, dug it up? And then just immediately said we didn't find anything and repaired it. They told us that they felt that the dogs we had were not credible sources and that they sniffed out a dead rat in the wall. That was basically the answer. And that they were doing us a big old favor by following the GPR report and all they found was a piece of pottery. And so they employed all these resources and did us this huge favor and reached out. But then it seemed like, well, and now we proved you wrong. Mm -hmm. Now what? And it seemed more like it was a competition to prove us wrong and make some type of effort, prove us wrong, and move on. Here you go. Do you think that because they've excavated in that one spot, though, like is there a percentage of you that feels more like she's not there? I can't answer it because, yeah. I mean, they, they dug down directly down into a, you know, a, a hole, but you know, I don't know. It's like the worst situation because now I'll never, we'll never know. Right. Like I wanted to be able to say, okay, I know I feel confident. They had the best of the best in there. They did a thorough job. Which you can't under, I mean, you can't discredit the fact that they, they did put in a lot of effort into this. You can't take anything away from that, but there are certain things that could have been done that we could have been consulted on that would have improved our comfort level with the, the process. Right. You know, the fact that we're left sitting here, what if could we have done this what these little things that weren't done that we were you know told no this will not be done why not (laughs) now like you said you're doing you're doing this to appease us but when we bring things up valid points that could have been taken care of we're just told nope no (laughs) you know we can't do that no we don't feel we have to no we won't do that that's kind of frustrating yeah. And we even question them on other cases where there has been positive hits, but then no body. And so it's like, well, why didn't you test the soil? Because wouldn't that be the next step? Why didn't you go into the wall? If you feel that our dogs were indicating something in a wall, 
why didn't you check the wall? From what they told us, they didn't do that. And so if you have two dogs that say yes, two dogs that say no, why don't we have another dog going in? Why don't we have something else? Why is there just one little action, one little square space? That's it. Nothing. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't really seem like they went far enough. I think enough. it would have been interesting that after they had excavated a lot of the soil out of the hole that they would have brought a dog in at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you never know. I mean, I think that we, we talked about this before, but like when I volunteered a little bit of time to try to understand cadaver dogs, they took this little piece of bone, put it under leaves, stuck it at the base of a tree, like in a football field size area, and then they walked the dog back and forth through that area, and then eventually the dog went like right to this little piece of bone that was, mm-hmm. you know, like 100 years old. So, you know, is it is it a chance that they dug all that dirt out and there's a little piece of bone in there that they never saw and it's off to the side and, you know, and if you'd had a dog there, maybe they, maybe they would have found that. but and, and maybe that would have had nothing to do with Mora, but it would have given an indication of why the dogs yeah. at least hit in, on that area. I mean, yeah. it could be a complete fluke, but you'd think you'd want to know. Right. I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities. It could be, I believe that cadaver dogs can hit on ashes too yeah so even that yeah it's weird that they would deem that information uncredible or not credible well, yeah, i mean even without the dogs testing the soil could have yeah exactly proved that's or what i mean disproved right? anything that's you know if the dogs didn't catch it maybe something else could do you think your dad's deterred after this from continuing his mission no. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's, that's impossible. More fuel for the fire. Yeah, yeah, this actually, you know, makes him more motivated. Because now he needs another lead. Now he needs something else to, mm-hmm. to run down. Yeah. Like, my dad's not the type of guy who's going to sit back and wait for some some answers to fall in his lap. He's going to get the answers. I mean, I kind of figured that was going to be your answer, mm-hmm. but I knew other people might want to hear that. <laughs> What do you think will happen if you if you do have another lead and you forward it to the police? How do you think that will go? Well, hopefully we have open lines of communication as promised, <laughs> and uh, we'll be able to work it you know together, and we won't have a big you know media frenzy and mm-hmm. be able to actually get something accomplished instead of uh, combative you know headbutt, mm-hmm. which I felt this kind of ended up being. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and try to, you know, you know, test it, see if we can work together. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm reading today, I get the impression that they genuinely want to try to open things up a little bit more. Like, I didn't doubt that. And um, hopefully going forward, we can actually make that happen. Yeah. You know, in a constructive way. Because the communication breakdown was a lot of what caused most of the problems we just went through. Mm-hmm. You know, if we had better communication throughout the whole process, we wouldn't be left sitting here being like, well, you know, maybe could more could have been done, you know. I did notice that a lot of the um, troopers and officers and representatives that came up to us, they constantly were saying, I am new to this. And so it does seem like there's a lot of new faces um, compared to before, which was cool to have a few of them come up and say, you know, yeah, I'm new. And so maybe that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I don't think it's a huge conspiracy starting from, you know, the AG's office. Like, that'd be crazy to think that, you know, the AG and everybody below is covering it up. How I don't even think it's possible. Right. Yeah. So I don't. that's not what we're saying. We don't believe that the state of New Hampshire is covering up the Mara Murray case. Mm-hmm. 
And some people think that that's what we think. And that's crazy. We don't think that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think anyone really does. I think that's kind of a straw man argument. Well, maybe some people do. Yeah. Um, there are some people that <laughs> yeah, do. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like you're saying, though, it's just the communication piece that needs to get fixed. That's all. Do they give you any, like, pointers or advice or ask for anything on your end at all? Just to involve them more mm-hmm. in, in the process. Well, yeah, they did say, you know, let us do the investigation. And I think Curtis and I both kind of smirked, like, when someone that you love goes missing, you don't just sit back and let someone else investigate and wait for answers. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. not a reasonable request. Right. No. Um, But, you know, I get their point. Like, they want to be the one to, you know, find the leads and locations and bring the dogs in so that we don't now have to counter each other, like Sarah said, where our dogs do this and now your dogs do this. Um, But, you know, families of missing people don't, I I guess I can only speak for us, but we can't, we don't just sit back and not try to investigate. And I said, you know, we welcome everyone and everyone's opinion and um, anyone that, you know, is trying to talk about Mara or help find or help the family or is doing their part. You know, we welcome that. We wouldn't, you know, value, we try not to value anyone's, um, I guess, input over the next person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because all the, every contribution is important because exactly. right now we have nothing. So we have to follow anything. <laughs> and <laughs> everything. Yeah. I think so much has changed in like two years with the oxygen series and just the dynamics are different. And it's like, I feel like there's more lines of communication open and you're taking – both of you are taking a more active role now, which might be helping to bridge that gap because one of the things that makes me think about like the communication after I talked to Chuck today, I am encouraged because I feel like the the dynamic is changing and it's I feel like it's changing for the better. And not to say that not everything that's happened in the past hasn't gotten to us to this point, but – I don't know. I just think that the more communication and like, it just seems good. And you know, change brings progress too. So yeah, you know, you take a different approach, different perspective, change things up a little bit because we, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, yeah. right now we don't have much. So make a change. You know, get some progress out of it. the last several months that home has become the target of increased speculation uh, by a variety of private citizens. Uh, some private citizens stated that they believed that there was a body in fact in that home uh, in the basement um, and really that theory was based on a variety of different pieces of evidence uh, including a search that was done by a couple of dogs that belonged to private citizens and a search that was done with something called ground penetrating radar. The Attorney General's office and the state police reviewed the video from those dog searches as well as the results from the ground penetrating radar and based on that review we determined that there was no credible evidence that there was any evidence connected to this case in that home and certainly no evidence of human remains and there was certainly no probable cause to do any search in that home. So I want to be clear uh, we certainly did not believe that there was any credible evidence uh, in this case that led us to believe there was evidence connected to Ms. Murray's disappearance. But the state police and the FBI in our office did go down and, and conduct that search today. 
So I felt like that they um, were still upset. Mm -hmm. I think they were upset on a number of realms. I think that they were upset because they were hoping that this was going to provide some answers and it didn't. But I think that they were also upset about how things went down, you know, not letting their own anthropologist in to, to witness anything. They kind of understood why family wouldn't be allowed. So that's why they had had a volunteer um, that had, you know, said that they would, would be willing to witness and they wouldn't let that person in. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also just thought it was weird that they would do the excavation and then not just invite them in after the excavation was done, but before the repair and just say, okay, we've, we've, we've dug, we haven't found anything. This was our process that we went through. We want to know what your thoughts are. You know, are you feeling okay? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like we can't excavate the whole house, but if you have some input, we'll take it. But, uh, that didn't happen. You know, it's like they just did the excavation and patched everything up and and the family never even got a chance to look in, in the hole, you know? So what was your impression of, you know, what they had to say? Mm, I don't know. I can't understand why they couldn't have a neutral observer there, especially knowing that there has been these trust issues between the family and the, the New Hampshire State Police for so long. I mean, it's been 15 years of, I won't go as far as to say animosity, but definitely some tension and definitely some mistrust. And so I think little little things like that could go a long way. And I, I just can't, I can't wrap my head around what what the downside of that is. Right. So I definitely... And sympathetic to that because, again, it leaves questions that don't have to be there, that aren't necessary. Yeah, I kind of got the same impression. Even though I was on my way up there on Tuesday night, I did not make it up to the site by the time that they did the press conference. Mm-hmm. So I watched it on uh, online and um, I was totally frustrated. Yeah. I don't know how you felt. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still have a lot of criticism of Strelzen. I don't think he handled it very well. I try to put myself in his position. And I try to understand it from his perspective. And I understand at some level why he would be frustrated. But at the same time, I still have questions about some of the things he said. Like, I think the biggest one is he didn't think that the two Godaver dogs and the GPR was credible enough evidence to go in and excavate. And that that's puzzling to me because if that's not enough, I don't know what is. Well, I've been wondering a lot about that too, because why mm-hmm. I can understand him saying we didn't feel it was credible, which is what he said, but he didn't say why right. he didn't think that it was credible. Like what was done that was not consistent with why he thought it wasn't credible, you know, because you see, you see the video and you see both dogs searching and hitting on the same area. Mm-hmm. Is it not credible because of the location? Like, because it's concrete, because it was in a basement, like, you know, like what, what were the other reasons why he didn't feel it was credible? Yeah. Did he just not feel it's credible because he didn't like the two dogs and the handlers? Like, so, and, and it wasn't even that. I mean, I can run down the list of reasons that, this would have been a credible lead. It was literally right next to the crash site. Like there were two tips that came in early on. There was the concrete that was poured. Um, 
WCVB Boston reported on how there were bones found when that oil tank was put in. Mm-hmm. Some of the individuals that have been brought to Mr. Murray's attention over the years had associations with people in that home. And, you know, obviously the GPR and the cadaver dogs, it just, it's, it's puzzling to me if that's not enough, what is? Like what leads are not being followed up on because they don't think that they're credible. And that's what bothers me. And I think we heard Julie and Kurt sort of questioning whether they can totally put it to rest. And I understand where they're coming from. I don't think that it's clinging on to something for the purpose of clinging on to it. I think that they're genuinely not sure that everything was done because you have Strelzen saying before he even did anything before they went in that they didn't deem it credible. Right. If you go in with that mindset. Are you working towards the conclusion that you're right. not going to find you, anything? Are you really going to do everything possible to exclude this? Right. So that's kind of what's troubling to me. No, I would agree. I mean, when we sat with Julie and <clears throat> talked to her about that, I mean, that was one of the things that I think I asked her. I mm-hmm. said, how do you feel now? Do you feel like this is put to rest? And like, do you feel like there's anything else there? And her attitude was like, I think she said, like, we're not, we'll she never can't answer it. Yeah, we'll never know. I can't answer it. We'll never know. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's almost more horrible yeah you know it's It's like almost worse yeah it's almost worse it's like they went through all this effort and then and then there's still a doubt in their mind which is a shame because i feel like if law enforcement had just let them come in and let them be part of it Mm -hmm. that i mean what would it have taken them to do a little bit more of what they ask and then their minds are yeah set and hopefully in the future that will be the case. I think hopefully there'll be more communication, but specifically when they were talking about the um the soil samples, like that's not based on nothing. There there were bones that had been reported in that basement when the the oil tank was being put in. And there was an abnormality in the GPR or a disturbance, at least possible disturbance that Strelzen even admitted. Right. Right? So it has to come from somewhere. Right. So like, it's not outside the realm of possibility that something was moved. And so that that's not just, you know, clinging on to something that that's a legitimate question. Right. And so like, I can completely understand why they're, why they're not entirely satisfied. Right. I, I was thinking the same thing, but. And Sarah made a good point about if, if you think that they're hitting on the wall, why didn't you look at the wall? Right. If that's how you're interpreting the dog alerts, then, you know, perhaps that's worthy of looking into while you're also excavating. I think one thing that was puzzling to me, too, is, is that I believe it was Streslin said that he believed that the dogs were hitting on a a dead animal. Right. A dead rat. A rat. Right. And I think that to me, that's puzzling because when I worked a little bit with cadaver dogs, they would specifically not hit on dead animals. Mm-hmm. They would only hit on human remains. Right. And so I thought that that was kind of weird that that that's one of the things that he said. And it would be interesting to talk to the dog handlers that were there um, for the Murrays and say, you know, will your dogs ignore mm-hmm. uh, deceased animals? I, if I had to guess, I'd bet you they would say yes. Absolutely. Yeah, that they, they ignore, ignore animals. But But yeah, completely. So I also don't think that rats live 
in the mountains. <laughs> just, maybe that's a, a little bit too um, specific well, of a in, detail, but I think there's mice. I don't think there's rats living out in uh I don't know. I Haverhill. think I'm pretty sure they only live in Washington, D.C. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I think one thing that was really interesting to me is that um, Thursday's night mm-hmm. is when we finally sat down to talk about everything. But after we were all done and everything was all wrapped up, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is is that Julie was like looking out the window of uh, Sarah's office. And she was kind of like, you know, you guys want to know where we grew up, me and Maura. She's like, this is it. Mm-hmm. She's like, we ran over here and yeah. this is where I remember us as kids. You know, it's so weird. We get we get so wrapped up in the details and and wanting to know. And it's so easy to start to forget that these are just real people. And then there's all these like little things that will happen that snap you back to the fact that these are real people. And here's this moment where we weren't talking about the case. We weren't talking about what actually happened to Maura. Julie was just literally reflecting on, yeah, when me and Maura used to go run together, like this is our neighborhood. This is yeah, where we used to be. Ran by there. And I think that, I think that when you spend time around them, that there's things that you're reminded of. Um, and it's just little things like that. It's just Julie literally like looking out the window reflecting on the fact that her and Mora used to run like right across the street mm-hmm. you know it just makes you realize that there's very real people behind all of this mm-hmm.